Rise up, young man. Rise up, young lady. You are not alone. No matter what you're going through, it is going to pass. You're going to come out the other side. Keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. So ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today, David. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you very much. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm having a good day. Good day. <laughs> so you are in New Jersey right now. How cold is it? Cold? Cold enough to wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it hurts to be outside sometimes. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So mm-hmm. let's get right into it. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Beckford. I born and raised in West Orange, New Jersey. Went to West Orange High School. I went to undergrad in UT Austin, and my major is in neuroscience. And uh, my I'm on the pre-med track. Um, right currently, right now, I'm doing a master's program at the Rutgers Graduate School of Biomedical Science. Yeah, so you're trying to go to med school. Yes, I am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, where are you from uh, originally? New Jersey, right? From New Jersey, but that seems to be wise. My parents' um, background like I'm Jamaican. Jamaica. Have you ever been? Of course. Wow. How, when was the last time you went? Uh, this earlier earlier this year in April. Wow. What about mm-hmm. when you were little? Do you used to always go there or? Not. It, it wasn't like a a yearly thing. There's one like every three or four years. Okay. I see. But yeah. For, Mm-hmm. What was growing up like in uh, New Jersey? The place is very diverse up here. I live up north, very condensed. The area I lived in, fortunately, had a lot of Caribbean people. Mm-hmm. So I never felt like I was too far away from people I knew. Okay. Um, my or my specific neighborhood has a lot of, uh, there's a high Orthodox Jew population too. Mm-hmm. So I had a mixing pot with Caribbean mixing pot with Latin America, mixing pot with um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of unorthodox, um, a lot of orthodox Jews. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I had a multitude of experiences of cultural backgrounds that really helped to separate me in a lot of ways. Wow. You seem very athletic. Did you play any sports? Uh, yes, I I played soccer since I was seven, <laughs> and then I remember that. Yeah, yep, yep. That's my that's my main sport. Um, being Jamaican, I always could run too. So when I, I started, I did I did track from seventh grade to ninth grade to ninth grade, seventh grade to ninth grade, mm-hmm. and I had to ease up because track took a lot of effort and school needed to, and it was starting to take away. It was actually, actually started to chip away at me mentally, so I had to ease up off of it so I could better focus on school. Wow, that's funny you said since I'm Jamaican. Did they, I hope any no coach came to you and said, hey, you are Jamaican, you need to be running for me. I, 
it wasn't directly like that, but that's exactly what happened. I <laughs> they, I started running track at um at the high at my for my high school because one day I was just work I was just working out. The soccer season was over, mm-hmm. and I normally like to work out, so I was just running around the track, and the coach liked my form, so mm-hmm. he actually he actually told me to call my my parents. I called my dad, and he talked to my dad when I when I while I was going to the field to train so it was like really impromptu but <laughs> i ended up being on varsity and everything it was crazy wow that's that's crazy mm-hmm. that's crazy so uh, your, your parents came from uh, jamaica so do you know why they moved to the u.s what was the circumstances uh, better better opportunity for their children and themselves but mostly their children how hard was it for them to adapt did they ever tell you when once they got here Um, yeah, it was it was difficult. Um, even prior to, prior to coming here, uh, my dad was going to university in Cuba, and my mom and my sister were in Jamaica at the time. So they, they the di- the dynamic you should you could say that during very formative times of their relationship, the dynamic um, was different than most. They had to kind of learn how to adapt to different circumstances, like being at a distance and during those tough times when you know you want to come home back to your loved one and come and embrace them. They didn't have that luxury in a lot of times. So when they by the time they got to America, they were able to be together, but they had to start building a foundation for their children. Because by then my sister was she's about twelve, thirteen. So she was in school. But they didn't have their own house, so my my dad had went got a second degree. Mm-hmm. My dad had a, my dad had to go get a second degree. My mom had to go get a a degree as well, and they worked. My mom became a respiratory therapist. My dad is um, an assistant a criminal division manager at the New Jersey courts, and so worked and hustled. They bought a house and they like painted it themselves. They created the patio in the back. It was like from the ground up. Wow. wow they really wow that's that's grind right there that's crazy mm-hmm. that's amazing man so i i know the Africa, the jamaican culture is pretty different than the american culture uh when growing up did you feel like you had the pressure how hard was the pressure of balancing those two cultures the culture that your parents are teaching you at home versus the culture that you were adopting from school um it was In Jersey, it wasn't that bad because there's, uh, unlike most places, there's a higher Caribbean population than most. I so, see. At, in terms of being surrounded by a lot of black people, a lot of the black people could just, it was easy for them to distinguish amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And because of a lot of the white and Asian people that were in the school as well, they were they grew up with us. So they themselves also could distinguish. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until actually going down to Texas, that's when... And what I I wouldn't say it was frustrating. It was just different. Okay. Wow. Um. Yeah. And then and you know just having the different cultural background of of being Jamaican. Like one of the, one of the things that we're one of the characteristics that comes with being Jamaican is just being very confident. So <laughs> that was one thing that was really like that. That was one thing that was nice because people like really gravitated towards that. Mm-hmm. But then um. Uh, but then that characteristic is also um, analogous to a lot of other cultures. 
so like a lot of other African cultures. So like when I came to when when I first went to UT, a lot of people thought I was Nigerian at first. Uh-huh. And so I was, I was like, oh okay. I, I didn't mind. <laughs> but then after a while uh, yeah, exactly. I'll take it. And but after a while I was like, hmm, I, I really am Jamaican. So while I was at UT for like a good month or two, I used to tie my flag to my book bag. And I tried to like use it as a way to signal to other Jamaicans there <laughs> to call to come talk to me. That's a great <laughs> I, idea. I want... That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> wow, that's a great idea. So you were, you decided to leave home, New Jersey, and come to the University of Texas at Austin. From New mm-hmm. Jersey to Texas, what was? Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? What was the? What was that plan? Apart from the caliber of the school, being such a high caliber school, I I did a summer program in the past called um, National Youth Leadership Forum. Oh, I did it on medicine, okay, and I did it in Houston, and so that was my first encounter being in Texas. And I did that same program in Boston and one other place I can't remember right now. Because um, I did it in two other places, and so and me. Those being like the only experiences I had with being out of my state mm-hmm. and applying to schools in those areas, uh, I I compared the people there. I, I knew I knew the schoolwork would come. Um, I I knew the schoolwork regardless where I was, but I felt like personally, me a priority for me was to be able to mix well with the people, mm-hmm. and I felt like I could best mix with the people in Texas as opposed to everywhere else, even even. Even taking into account that I've lived up here most of my life, I felt like it was easier to talk to people in Texas. That's wow. why I chose Texas most because of the people. Wow, that that must have been a great. <laughs> did did that mentality change when you came here? When you got here and started going here as a student? Um, no, it 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 stood the whole time. I think I I I had the I had the I felt like I've had the privilege not to go through too many negative experiences for a lot of people like I didn't I I didn't have any I didn't have that much drama going I I've had drama mind you but I didn't have nearly as much drama to change that perspective wow wow but but yeah I, I really I, I believe that because knowing you you are an amazing that smile the first time we met <laughs> I saw your you, <laughs> you just bring positivity it's like people are attracted to that no matter what Thanks, man. I appreciate you noticing it. <laughs> of course. So you arrived to the 40 acres uh, and your mind was blown right away because there are so many. So UT is 50,000 people, right? And I'm not yeah. sure there are a lot of schools around where you came from that has that kind of uh, students, right? Amount of students. How hard was it for you to adapt and uh, not not just the fact that UT is big, but also the fact that it's eight percent African American. Um, so of course, so specifically to the numbers, mm-hmm. I did. It wasn't that bad for me because I I like talking to people. So mm-hmm. having the opportunity to be able to talk to someone new, almost like not only every day, but like every hour, mm-hmm. was a blessing. Like it was just my it, just to be able to have so many different experiences with so many different backgrounds was just a, a nice uh, it was a really nice and eye opening and mind opening exposure. Mm-hmm. But um, being an African American, that was 
that was different. I, I think I was fortunate enough to be in a, a cornerstone in a, um, Texas inter- interdisciplinary plan tip. Mm-hmm. So I, I was surrounded by, I was, I was surrounded by people who did look like me, but outside of that, it was, what, what I found so weird was how many people who, um, I didn't, I didn't realize there were so many people who operated off the idea of, of a black person and not the actual interaction with a black, actual past experiences within themselves. Like a lot of people talk to and talk about people from a, as if they were stereotypes mm-hmm. opposed to talking, as opposed to actually having experience and looking at them yeah. as a, I think like another friend or another person. That's that's what did. That's what really threw me off. I didn't realize how prominent it was. Wow. So you mean like the thing they see on TV, the thing they hear on social media, not like yeah. believing that everybody is like that. Yeah. Like it. It was more prevalent than I anticipated, especially being at such a intellectual, a high intellectual caliber school. So. Wow. I guess it happened. <laughs> <laughs> so being in Plan 2, one of the hardest measures here at UT, being a pre-med student, so you usually mm-hmm. are in science classes where literally there's only one black person out of the whole crowd. Did you feel any imposter syndrome, intimidation? I know I know you said you Jamaican culture teaches you that confidence, but still, like, same, yeah. same thing as you. Like, do you feel like that? There's that intimidation when you walk in that first time. How did you combat that? Um, honestly, I come the first time I can remember it was in um, I was taking a, a class with Doctor Miller, Jesse Miller. It was calculus one. You took him. It, that was my teacher, yes. bro. Yeah, yeah. I took yep. him too. <laughs> exactly. It, it was his class. That's that's what threw me off because, uh. Uh, everyone felt lost in that class, so that that was nice in that way. Mm-hmm. But most of the people, the but like if you remember in his class, it was flipped. So the when, there will be a lot of times in class where you would talk to the person next to you to try to figure out stuff. That's when I started to realize I really didn't have a handle on that subject as well as I thought as I thought I did, mm-hmm. and I didn't and. That's when I also realized my my habit. I, I didn't have good habits to figure it out. So even if I didn't have the background in it, I also didn't, I also realized a lot of people had better habits to figure it out than I did. Mm-hmm. That's when I started to feel the imposter, imposter syndrome. So the biggest thing I did to combat that was to talk. I, I used to just ask, raise my hand and ask a question. I was genuinely lost and I'm like, okay, if, if I'm going to figure out, if I'm going to start making progress in this, I need to start right here, right now. Wow. I think the best way to do that is to ask for help. So I used to ask questions in class and everyone, as including the people I used to work with that did, that, that has really good habits and understood stuff very well, I used to ask the question and they used to even get curious too. That's when I started to realize, oh, <laughs> okay, it's not, I, I can, I may not, feel like I belong, but that doesn't mean I don't that doesn't it. mean I can't change that. Definitely. Like I don't need to be defined by that feeling. Wow. Is that I feel like that's a confidence confidence people thing. Because me too, like whenever I feel like I'm not understanding anything, whenever that imposter syndrome start kicking in my classes, 
I feel like I need to ask a question. I feel like I, <laughs> I have to ask. I can't just sit under and just. It's fe- I feel like my confidence is telling me I need to get back from this hole and start asking questions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like start taking control of your start taking control of the situation. You can't let like you need to remember what you can and can't control, and what you can control is acquiring the knowledge. So you just take that first step to acquiring by asking the question. Wow. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Miller is uh, a calculus teacher here at UT, and he he's the one who taught me struggle is the best way to learn. Did he teach you that too, bro? Did he did he talk okay. about? Of course, I still have the card. You saw the wallet card he gave out? Yes, he gave us that card, like, about how to succeed mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my first teacher here at UT. Mm-hmm. So you decided to go, you are a pre-med major, and you, when you came to UT, you knew you wanted to become a doctor. You wanted to be a pre-med yeah. student. Did you always believe that you want, you could be a doctor? Did you always wanted to be a doctor? I'm trying to get a little bit deeper than that. Did you really believe from when you were younger that you could be a doctor, being an African American? I, I, I did, and I, I, I attribute that to the privilege of having a sister who's also a doctor. Wow. Okay. So, when I was growing up, she was in med school. Like when uh, my sister's like 18 years older than me, so. When I grew up, she was also like a mentor in that way to like technically a third parent. So I, I knew it was attainable because when I would go by her place to go visit, she went to med school that's like 15, 15, like 10 minutes away from my, 15 minutes away from my house. And so she would dorm, she had her dorm near campus. Mm-hmm. So sometimes during the semester, I would go over there and stay with her. But of course, like she wouldn't be able to talk to me that much because she was studying. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw her study. I, I was in the same house, like, we would come and we would eat the same food. Mm-hmm. I would, we're the same blood. So being, having someone who achieved such a high, so having someone who was a doctor who had experiences so close to mine, uh, made it as, made it so that, like, I had, I, I knew it was achievable. There was no doubt that I could become a doctor. Wow. That's from a, a very young age. That's amazing because many, right now the issue is that many young black male do not have, do not know anybody who look like them in this field, right? And they may think about it, somebody may tell them, but it's like for some reason the fact that they don't see anybody make them believe that it's not possible for people like them. So they, mm. from when they are so young, they be, begin to dismiss the idea of even trying to be a doctor or an engineer or something like that and just focus on things that everybody else they know do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's amazing, bro. That's amazing. So she finished. Right? Now she's a doctor, right? We are a doctor and she's in te- she lives in Texas. That's another reason why Texas <laughs> going to Texas wasn't a big thing because she was, she, was, she was in Houston. Oh, she's in Houston. Mm-hmm. Wow, definitely. One of the biggest cities. That's amazing. That's amazing, bro. So, right now you you are doing your masters. What's your uh, what what what's your plans for med school? Are you applying soon, or are you finishing your masters first? Um, fortunately, with this masters program, as when I as long as I finish twenty credits by by around the time I'm applying, mm-hmm. um, the credits the, the credits in the classes that I'm taking can be used to apply. 
And in addition to that, I don't actually have to complete the program before going to med school. Oh, wow. So this upcoming cycle, I'm going to apply. Okay. That's crazy. Do you think about coming back to Texas? I, yeah, of course. I, wa- I want to come back so bad. <laughs> so that, bad. That's amazing. That's the plan. <laughs> that's amazing, man. Maybe we'll be in the same class. Maybe in the same Pardon? school. Maybe we'll end up in the same class, the same school. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Go for the struggle together. It'll be great. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. So do you feel like your story, knowing how much your parents sacrificed the struggle, having to fight to defy the odds in this environment where you do not see a lot of people that look like you when you move to Texas, right? But also your parents, when they came to New Jersey, it's like they had to start over. But the goal was always to build the future, like an amazing future for the kids that's coming to have all the opportunities that any other kid in this world have, right? Do you feel like you have to succeed because of that? You have, you feel like if you fail, it's uh, your parents wasted their time doing all of that? Do you have that pressure on you? I do have that weight, mm-hmm. but it's not debilitating. As in, um, I... I've taken the time to think about and reflect on my own to see why I want to become what I want to become. In this case, it manifested in being a doctor. It could have manifested in being a dancer. It could have manifested in being a lawyer and many other things. But I feel that that weight is on my head and I want to do them justice, but it's not so much so weighing on me that if if there's a hint of if there's a hint of doubt or a hint of failure, then I'm gonna break down because I realize I want to do it too. I want this, and so because I because I have that intrinsic motivation, um, even if the with that extrinsic motivation, the extrinsic motivation doesn't seem a stressor as much. It seems more like a motivator. Yes, sir. Does that makes sense. Yes, sir. That makes sense. That makes sense. So last question, you, you're about to be one of the, I'll say, smartest dude in the room, right? Because doctors are known to be the smartest person in the room. You're about to have one of the highest, most revered um, position. Like in the next five years, six years, you're going to be a doctor, right? And you're going to yes. be changing lives. And I must say, uh-huh. I'm, I'm saying, speaking this into existence because I know it will happen, right? Mm-hmm. So do you, mm-hmm. the world is facing so many problems, right? There are so many things you can do as a doctor and there are so many issues to solve. There are so many people to save, right? What is your aspiration? If you go down to bed every day, you're thinking about becoming a doctor, what is one thing mm-hmm. that is motivating you to keep, to rise every day and shine and rise every day and push toward this goal to get there? What's keeping me going every day? Yeah. It is. The fact that I'm not doing this alone. So I, I, when it comes to becoming a doctor, it is a, a lot of times there is a lone wolf path to it because not everyone's going to be studying with you at 3 a.m. 
Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to be trying to figure out those biochemical pathways. Not everyone's going to be trying. Not everyone's going to be there helping with your patient. But um, I do realize that where I got to right right now in my life was a product of the people around me that helped to sacrifice. So bringing it back to my parents, my sister, mm-hmm. my friends here, the teachers I've had, they've been helping me throughout this process. And then even the people, that, even the future people I'm going to meet, they're helping me throughout this process. And even addition to that, the patients that I'm going to be treating, they're helping me through this process. They're the ones that are helping me getting through this because to have my support system around me and infusing the wisdom and the resources and happiness into me. And then my patients who are going to be looking to me for resources, for a confidant, for knowledge, for help. That's what's helping me get through this all the time. Because I'm realizing I'm not in this alone. And so to help keep everything moving forward, I'm going to keep doing my part. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Bro, I met you freshman year, and uh, you are one of the people that I always respected here, here on campus. You, you are a role model to a lot of people, and many people need. I'm not going to say, yes, many people believe in you, but many young kids need to see people like you and me get to where we're trying to get right Be, uh, no, yep. ma- no matter what we are we, we have become role model because of the work that we have done so far we have become role model to a lot of kids right and we mm-hmm. <laughs> we have uh how to call it the the privilege to be in this space where we can influence people to to push a little bit harder and believe that they can be whoever they want so I really appreciate mm-hmm. you for your work so far. Thank you so much for giving yeah. us your time. I really enjoyed Thank this. Thank you for having me. It was a, a pleasure, a privilege, really. Thank you very much. I, I just appreciate the fact that you thought I'd just be a good person to talk to. <laughs> I, I hope what I said made sense. I hope, I hope something sticks with someone. And I hope you have a great night. Come on, bro. For sure, for sure. So there you have it, people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mamba Inspire You Are Not Alone podcast. We have another great story next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Twitter, and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire.